Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Here at Believe in Titans, what would happen if an already subpar Tennessee Titans offensive line had to deal with a rash of injuries? And Sunday at Tampa Bay, we saw exactly what would happen. And the result was a 20-6 to loss to the Buccaneers that, uh, that feels like it has now sucked all the life out of this season. I, I, again, Let's you know. Let's say it's a week to week league, but uh, weekly here lately things have been going downhill for the Titans. And uh, if they're not at rock bottom, this is this feels like as low as they have been at this point in the season. They are uh, they are three and six. The only team in the AFC with a worse record is the New England Patriots at two and eight. The rest of the AFC South seems to be on the uh, on the rise up next of course is the Jacksonville Jaguars who are who are firmly the team to beat this year but the Colts and the and the Texans are are positive surprises around the league and uh and the Titans it 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 just I mean we'll get into this right now though it seems like uh it, it's hard to see how they're uh how they're going to make their way up the standings over the over the second half of this season but uh um let's again let's let's work through that and some other things on this episode with the usual lineup former titans cornerback denard walker denard how are you i'm doing good this evening david how you doing doing great john glennon of the nashville post john how are you doing well thank you and uh, before we dive in, let's uh, let's do a little house cleaning here. The Titans have signed to their practice squad defensive lineman Ross Blacklock, a second round pick out of TCU in 2020. He was the 40th overall pick in that draft, and he follows the addition a couple weeks ago of defensive lineman Marlon Davidson to the practice squad. Davidson was uh, out of Auburn and was the 47th overall pick in that draft. So uh, two players who have not lived up to their their draft status, but certainly gifted physically and, and, and players that, as I recall, in, in that year were, were pretty much in, in the Titans' realm people were talking about them as potentially uh potentially going to the titans at uh maybe even in the first round of that draft the uh uh the titans of course did not take uh did not take a defensive lineman in that draft they took the legendary isaiah wilson in the first round and then uh near the end of the second round 62nd overall they got uh they got christian fulton and then the the Titans have also in a much more interesting move I think in terms of uh in terms of the potential immediate impact they claimed off waivers from the Carolina Panthers offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton who uh who has been a starting guard in this league uh including uh including 7 games this year 
for the Panthers. Uh, to make room for, on the roster for him, they placed Chance Campbell on injured reserve. So Chance Campbell, the linebacker selected in last year's draft, the injury issues continue for him. But uh, but as we uh, as as we have to have our weekly discussion about the uh, the offensive line and 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 what's going wrong, John Glennon, I'll uh, I'll start with you. Is is adding Calvin Throckmorton? maybe the move that will send Peter Skaronsky to tackle finally. Are, are the Titans at a point where they they maybe have to make that move now? You would think, um, <laughs> but uh, at the same point, uh, I, I, I don't believe it's uh, it's going to happen. I, I still think we're, we're following down the same path as a couple previous years. You know, remember, you know, Dylan Raiden's rookie year. Remember we were all waiting, we were saying, what, what's it going to take for them to ever try Dylan Raidens at left tackle, you know, uh, at the position he played or, or you know, get him in a game and and, and they just wouldn't do it forever. Uh, and, and then, you know, last year, obviously, with Dennis Daly was struggling so much. And we all asked, what's it going to take to get Dennis Daly out of the lineup? And it never really happened there either. I, I think we're in, we're in a similar path here that they are not planning at least uh, immediately to move Peter Skaronsky over to, to left tackle. I think, you know, Mike Vrabel said today that, that kind of, um, you know, the sense is that they're going to give Dylan Raines another shot at left tackle, even though he struggled in relief of, uh, of Andre Dillard last week. Um, you know, I, my sense is that, that, you know, maybe they just feel like, like they've gone, they've used Skaronsky so much at guard, already this season they've got him so uh you know adapted to to guard if you will that they don't want to switch him now that maybe that's an off-season thing uh but but they you know they, they don't want to put too much on the on the plate of the of the rookie right now what in the meantime it i i do like the fact that they're kind of giving dylan raidens another shot uh apparently at, at left tackle this week uh because i thought it was a little rough you know, Dylan Raidens had been playing guard almost exclusively for the Titans. He didn't have a real great game in relief at left tackle. And Mike Vrabel said on Monday, you know, that Raidens didn't play up to our standards or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, when did Dillard play up to the team's standards this year? And why have we not heard that kind of comment about Andre Dillard? But anyway, this will at least give Dylan Raidens a week's worth of preparation uh, at left tackle. You know, first team reps. Uh, presumably for for the week, uh, and you know this is the position that Dylan Raidens has always wanted to play on the NFL level. He's played it in the in the college rank. He played it in the college ranks, two time All American on the FCS level. So you know, let's uh, let's see with with uh, what Dylan Raidens can do. Maybe with at least a week's worth of of preparation instead of just getting thrown in there in the middle of the game. Yeah, and, and to recap for those who couldn't keep up with it Sunday. Um, Andre Dillard was was back in at left tackle with Nicholas Petit Frere out uh, out with a shoulder injury. Dylan Raiden started the game at right guard in place of the injured Daniel Brunskill. Then early in the game, Dillard ends up out with a concussion. Raiden switches over to left tackle, and they uh, they put Andrew Rupsich in at right guard, a player who uh, who, who had just been uh, just. He's been on the practice squad for what a year and a half, and this was his first taste of uh, taste of NFL action. Um, Andre Dillard still in the concussion protocol as practices 
began this week, and I would say there's very little chance he's available for Jacksonville on Sunday. So, uh, uh, Denard, I mean, is this is this just turning into a worst case scenario for the Titans in in terms of you know having a suspect offensive line to begin with, and then even the guys who are your best guys are are not available and, and able to go right now. Yeah, it's it's bad. It really is. And not to mention, you're talking about you already have a makeshift line to begin with, and that line now has been decimated with injury. So now you go and with this, so they're going to go and get Calvin. Is it Throckmorton who comes Throck, from Carolina? Yeah. Uh-huh. So do you think that that's going to be the answer? No, because now he's got to come in and get familiarized with the system and the blocking scheme, and that's going to be even tougher. So it, it's bad right now, uh, David and John. And I think it's going to get worse, to be honest with you. Brunskill is back at practice this week, and uh, I, I guess there's a, there's a decent chance he'll play uh, he'll play Saturday. But but Denard, too, how how much harder is that for Will Levis? I mean, I mean, Levis is is involved in calling out the blocking assignments, right? And 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 if and if he can't trust that those guys even know what he's what he's asking them to do and and who you know who knows how I mean I'm, I assume you can't expect him to have a 100% correct rate in terms of some of these pre-snap reads it, it is it uh is it asking a little too much of Will Levis to play behind that line right now yes you have a rookie quarterback that I mean right now last two weeks he's played great until Sunday Listen, that's not his fault. If you watch that game Sunday against Tampa Bay, pretty much Will Levis was running for his life. He was under the rest pretty much uh, probably a greater portion of the game. I mean, if you look at it, I, I wrote down, and I didn't write down no stats, but I went down and, and looked at some of the plays. You're talking about that interception. Um, he, he threw one, but he should have. they should have had two interceptions that game. And when you're talking about plays, you think about it. Uh, he had, what, 199 yards, zero TDs, and one pick. But when I go back, and you got to give it up for Tampa's defensive coordinator, Casey Rogers. They have two They have two coordinators and Larry Foote. What they did is they went old school style. They blitzed the H-E-L-L out of Tennessee Sunday, and it showed up. I mean, I'm going to give you kind of an example, uh, David. It, it was um, a second and ten. It was about, what, six minutes and 26 seconds left in the game. And the Antoine Winfield interception that they kind of got in the, uh, what was that, in the third, what was it the fourth quarter, I believe? Um, yeah, 626 yeah. left in the game. If you look at that play, Will had to heed that ball up there because he was getting ready to get pummeled. And that's what happens when a quarterback is under the rest and there's no clean pocket. He's just looking to throw it away. And he did exactly what you teach a young quarterback to do. That pretty much summed up the game. If you look at that defensive line for Tampa, Cansey, Vita Vey, we saw with the first possession when Tennessee was in the goal line, it was on a third and short. They could have scored, but Vita Vey ends up getting the sack and they had to end up with a field goal. Those are the little things. And remember, it's a copycat league. So you don't think Jacksonville is looking at the way that the Tampa Bay played Tennessee Sunday and saying, we are going to blitz him from the start to the finish. And that's, you're going to see that it's going to be a trend from here on out. Yeah. It, uh, you know, they're, Levis is one of 10 rookie quarterbacks to have started at least one game this year. He's already in only three starts, one of five 
who is who's been sacked at least 10 times and you uh you know you contrast that with CJ Stroud in Houston for example who has who has started three times as many games and uh has only been sacked 19 times and uh the I mean the good news is Stroud and Levis are the only two rookie quarterbacks averaging better than 200 passing yards per game uh, you know as we've discussed you know Levis can get the ball downfield when he when he has the time to do so they they need to find a way to to give him the time to do so uh um John I, I'll ask you you know Levis comes out of that game with a 53.5 passer rating it's it was it was the worst of his starts to to date was that simply a a byproduct of of the offensive line not helping him or you know do you, do we sense that the league is catching up to him a little bit uh, as he goes along here Yeah I think there's there's a little bit of both I mean yeah it's hard to get past the pressure that that he was under um you know, he was he was as he's mentioned sacked four times, and not only sacked four times, but he was hit thirteen times. And as we all know, you know that 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 works, you know, in in terms of affecting your quarterback as well. When you start thinking you're going to get hit every time you go back, you know, you you get a little, um, you know, you, you second guess yourself a little bit more. You know, maybe you start seeing ghosts from time to time. You're looking at the line at times instead of downfield, etc. So I, I think that had an awful lot to do with it. But, you know, a couple of things, uh, I think, with, with Levis and, and maybe, uh, you know, how we can handle things better, too. You know, a, a lot of quarterbacks are under pressure, but, you know, probably the more experience that you get under pressure, the better you're going to handle it in terms of, um, you know, getting rid of the ball quickly and, and knowing your options and, and that type of thing. Um, Will Levis is in his third start. It, it's not there yet. You, you look at the numbers he had, he had 19 dropbacks under pressure um, in in that game, sacked four times. He went three for 15, uh, you know, in, in the attempts under pressure as well with an interception, an 11.8 NFL rating. So granted a ton of pressure and, and that was the biggest factor, but he's got to learn to handle some of that pressure. You, you can't handle all of it, but he's got to handle a little bit better as well. And then I think too, we're seeing, you know, he, he got off to that great start in, in throwing those deep balls, you know, those three long touchdown passes against Atlanta. Uh, and he was hitting on everything, 20 yards downfield, big chunk plays, had to get, had to get had some more against Pittsburgh as well. But I think the more we've gone on in these three games, I think defenses are understanding, hey, this guy's got a cannon arm, but if we can cut that off, you know, he hasn't proven that he can uh, slice us and dice us all the way up the field. Uh, and, and we see Will Levis continuing to try and throw those deep balls, and it's been less and less successful in that game uh, against the Buccaneers. In terms of uh, passes 20-plus yards downfield, he went one for eight uh, with an interception in, in those type passes. His NFL rating was zero, 0, 0. 0.0 for, for throws 20-plus uh, downfield. Uh, and, and still, in, in the three games he's played, he's thrown those those. 20 plus passes 27 times. That's eight more than any other quarterback over the last three weeks. So at some point, you know, even though that's one of his great strengths, having the cannon arm and and throwing the ball deep and and getting the big chunks, he's going to have to realize that you can't do that quite as frequently. And when defenses have kind of figured that out, uh, you're going to need to go short and medium range a little bit more, especially when there is so much pressure. Yeah. And, one of the more uh, 
one of the more remarkable developments i think in all this and let's uh i guess let's let's not pile on the offensive line too much farther is uh but i think lost in all this because when i was when i was kicking around and looking at this this week this was stunning to me derrick henry in case anyone hasn't noticed leads the afc and is second in the nfl in rushing right now with 625 yards and uh and is averaging 4.2 per carry which is uh you know, which is respectable. This is a guy who's on pace for close to 300 carries. They, they, you know, Titans doing a good job getting his, uh, getting his workload down a little bit, you know, from the, from the 349 that, uh, 349 carries he had last year, the, the 378 he had in, in 2020, but he's still, uh, he's still putting up decent numbers. His, uh, his, his yards per carry average is is consistent with what it's been the last couple of years, basically the same as it's been since his return from his foot injury, which was not as good as before the foot injury. But that's uh, uh, you know that that's life in the NFL, and uh, and he's doing that uh, as always with defenses knowing that he is their first and and best option on offense. So. Uh, so tip of the cap to Derrick Henry, I guess, and, uh, and, and what he's been able to do. And, uh, and then of course you, you add in Tajay Spears, who, who's easily been the most effective, uh, backup that he has had in years. And, and this team can run the ball a little bit. So, uh, Denard, is there, is there, any more they can do in the run game or or can you look at that and say the Titans are getting every bit they can out of the, the run game right now. They, they just have to protect their quarterback better. Well, he only had 24 yards Sunday. Would he well, that, yeah, that didn't go well. They were behind that, all day. That though. Did they, not you know, go well. <laughs> yeah. Well, but they did, they, you know, like coaches will say, they didn't earn the right to run the ball in that game. I think. No, and they didn't have the right to do anything offensively when you score six points. So, yeah, you, and you're only judged in this league by your last performance. And for Derek, that, that wasn't Derek-like numbers. He had probably one good run, one solid run. Other than that, they were ineffective pretty much the whole game. I mean, when I looked at this team, Tampa just – they absolutely took Tennessee's offense right off the field from the beginning. And what I mean by that is when you blitz and you're able to contain the pass – I mean, excuse me, contain the run – then look look who you had as your leading receiver Sunday Sunday. Cal Phillips. Cal Phillips, yeah. That that's that's not good. That I mean that's not good. And you know you won't win at this league. I you know and and they, I I don't mean to get off script or anything, but this team right now, they were not only outplayed, uh they were just they were out muscled. I mean, from the start to the go, this offensive unit right now, I know we're talking about Derek Ben is second leading rusher in the league right now, but right now I'm, or at least in the AFC, David offensively, I don't see this team getting any better uh, right now, especially with the play up the offensive line. Well, I, I, and, and, and you, you hear criticism of the coaching staff right now, but Tim Kelly could be calling most anything. The, the way that, the way that Tampa's front dominated, on Sunday, there there was nothing that was going to work, right? Yeah, because it starts up front. If you can't protect your quarterback, then you don't have no chance. I mean, look at the opposite side. Look at what Tampa was uh, able to do. Ba- Baker Mayfield played the way that he played in Nashville two years ago when Cleveland came down and absolutely put a whooping on Tennessee. 
I mean, look at the way that they were able to protect him. Look at just look at the way that their offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, called the game. What did they do? They were able to do something we haven't seen. I mean, you think about the first touchdown that they made. I mean, that was amazing. The fact that they they caught Tennessee in a blitz. They're able to run a screen and they got him. They, they flat did, yeah. out got him. And and all of a sudden, what was amazing by that was it was, was Rashad. Is it that's his name, Rashad White, the, the running back? Yes, uh-huh. So they when they caught him in the blitz, he had a convoy of blockers. I mean, that's the way that you call a game. But if you look at the way that they played up front, their offensive line did a pretty decent job. I thought Tennessee on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive front, there were a few times in the game, if you look at that play, that could have been a sack, but it, it, Jeffrey Simmons was right there. It was a split second that he got that ball off. If he doesn't get that ball off, Baker has to take a sack. But the, it's just the little things with Tampa's way, and it just added some, it added up to something big Sunday. And right now, it, it's been like a trickle-down effect because when the offense don't play well, it kind of carries over to the defense, and we kind of saw that at the end of the game. Wait, it, here's, here's another little oddity about this team right now, and I think it uh... – I think it speaks to how well the defense has played and and how well that uh, how much that unit has kept the the Titans in most games. Through 9 games, the Titans have the exact same touchdown differential and point differential as the Pittsburgh Steelers who are 6 and 3. 6 and 3, you know, the Steelers are are finding ways to win the game. We all know that the, you know, the Steelers defense is is dynamic and and is carrying that team in in a way that that's uh that's a little bit unusual that you know to have the kind of record they have with the the offensive struggles they're having, but uh but the uh you know the the Titans obviously it you you can say you you can look at those numbers and say it's possible to have a better record than than the Titans have, given the you know given the the point imbalance because they the defense defense plays well enough to mm-hmm. keep them in. The, you know the offense has to figure out a way to to score points consistently. And and I mentioned it at the top at three and six. The only team with a worse record is the New England Patriots at 2 and 8 at least the only team in the AFC excuse me with a worse record are the New England Patriots at 2 and 8 and for the first time maybe in forever uh there is there is some grumbling some some talk in New England about the possibility of Bill Belichick being fired and there was a report a couple weeks ago that uh that that continues to sort of I would say simmer. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a boil at this point, but says that uh, if if the Patriots make a change, Robert Kraft would consider hiring Mike Vrabel as the the best option. You know, he might have to might have to trade with the Titans to do that. John Glennon, do you, do you see any possible scenario that uh, that ends with Mike Vrabel coaching the Patriots next year? You know, when you when you when you first hear it, you, you know, you, you tend to, to disregard it. Ah, just, you know, another another of the countless rumors that, that you hear throughout the course of an NFL season. Um, but, you know, the, the more you, you do let it simmer, I think there, there's reason at least that, that it would make sense. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, Robert Kraft is, is, you know, a man who's very impressed and taken with Mike Brabel. We saw that when Mike Brabel was up in New England during the bye week. 
inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame, you know, sitting in the suite with Robert Kraft down the sidelines with him wearing his his red Patriots sport coat, you know, as he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, Robert Kraft saying, you know, you'll always be a Patriot. And and uh, Mike Vrabel was was saying that that he's constantly trying to recreate um, the, the locker room scenario that those Super Bowl winning champion Patriots had. He says, he, you know, he doesn't have it yet in Tennessee, but he's constantly striving, even though he doesn't know he, he's ever going to get there. So there's a lot of love on, on both sides. You know, I guess the question to me is, is would there be enough pull for, for Mike Brable to want to go there? Aside from playing, obviously, and playing very well for seven years there and winning three Super Bowls, is there enough that, that Mike Brable says, yeah, I want I want to be in, in New England? And you know, maybe what it would come down to is simply, uh, uh, you know, a fresh start. You know, I mean, you look at New England, and as you said, David, is it's not like they're uh, uh, world beaters by any stretch right now. They're they're two and eight. They've got a, a disastrous quarterback situation, worse than the than the Titans. Uh, you know, and and it's not like they've got a ton of draft picks awaiting them either. So. What is it exactly that that would you know uh, lure Mike Vrabel up there, and and you say maybe if he's looking at these two situations, the Titans and and the, and the Patriots, you know maybe he says okay at least if I go to New England, it's a fresh start for me up there. It's a honeymoon up there. Everybody wants me. Uh, you know no one's looking at at maybe mistakes that I've made, whether it's personnel or coaching hires uh, over the years. Everybody is just saying hey, it's Mike Vrabel. You've got a long leash, you know, a year or two to do anything you want. We're not going to criticize you at all. You're the you're the favored son coming back home. Whereas as Tennessee, you know, you're also looking at a rebuild. But Mike Brable probably has to share in some of the blame, not all of it, clearly, uh, as to as to where the Titans are right now because of you know whether it's coaching personnel or or coaching hires uh, uh, as well. You know, there, there's some blame for Mike Brable, and there's probably a shorter leash. Because of the struggles he's had last year uh, and this year, he uh, as well. So maybe you know. And again, I think it will ultimately would ultimately come down to uh, you know if Mike Vrabel has that interest, obviously, because surely the Patriots are going to have to give up uh, some things. Whether that's only a first round draft pick, I think that would be the the base, um, you know, or 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 something more than that. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't be just a simple, uh, Mike Brable stepping down, stepping in at, at New England by, by any stretch. So, I mean, it's, it's not unbelievably far-fetched, but I, I just wonder what to me, if, if there's enough of a pull for Mike Brable to say, Hey, Amy, I, I really want to go up there and we try to work something out with the Patriots. You know what, that, that's something we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. You know, the other, the other side of that is, it might be a it might be a soft landing spot for Mike Vrabel, right? I mean, Amy Adams Strunk has shown she's not afraid to make changes. Right now, this team has lost thirteen of its last sixteen games. If it uh, if if this season continues to go south and and go off the rails, now I mean, the good news is there's a bunch of home games left on the schedule, and this team seems to be much better at home. But uh, but you know, Amy Adams Strunk's father, Bud Adams made a lot of coaching changes in, in, at a particular point in this franchise history. And, and she has, she has shown some, uh, I, I would say some of his characteristics. So uh, um, I, I, I don't think 
she wants to fire Mike Vrabel. I, I don't. I don't think there's any indication of that. I. I don't think she. Pro- she lacks confidence in him, at least not at this point. But. Uh, but if, like I say, if this thing continues to go south, it. You know who knows how she might feel. We 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 saw her fire a general manager in the in the middle of a season, which was which was kind of shocking. So any kind of any kind of major changes she would make at this point compared to the the John Robinson move last year, uh, I would think uh, would not be surprising right now. Denard, I want to ask you this though. You know we we hear all the time that people like to to think from the outside. You know a coach's message can can get tiresome to players when they, you know, when a guy has been in the job for, uh, for X amount of years, it, it, it's generally considered five, maybe anything past that. It starts to get a little stale. You know, we, we don't, we don't know how Mike Rabel's dealing with his players behind closed doors, but you came to the Titans in Jeff Fisher's third full season as a head coach. You were here through five, six, you know, in that stretch did, did, did you ever get to a point where you're hearing, oh, here we go, yeah, it's this time of year, we're going to hear this bit again, or, 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 you know, do coaches find ways to keep it fresh for players? I think it's not the coach's uh, job to keep it fresh for players. I think it's the player's responsibility to keep it fresh for themselves. You are a pro in this league. Um, they pay you a lot of money. And, you know, the, the thing that I love most about Jeff was Jeff really didn't talk very much. Uh, we had a system. We didn't do very much in the off season. The off season, he allow, uh, he call it accountability, which means you can go do your own thing. You know, whatever. If you were Eddie George, Eddie George was in Columbus, Ohio, or he was in Los Angeles, California training. Uh, for me, I was in Texas and Nashville part of the time. So what happens uh, is nothing gets dry unless you allow it to get dry. What I mean by that, it's, it's like the Raiders way. Al Davis believe it's the players that dictate the outcome, not the coaches. And it's the same with any organization. And somebody like Bill Belichick, for instance, who's been there for 20-some seasons, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard maybe for him at his age. Maybe the game has passed him because maybe he can't relate to the young players around him. So maybe there needs to be a change. But Mike Vrabel, you're talking about what he's built here, David and John. I mean, what is he, 51 and 40 with this organization? He's what, I know, three postseason appearances, what he got here in 2018. And, I mean, look at it, 15 and 7 against NFC opponents. Maybe they need to go to another division besides this AFC. (laughs) But right now, they're just going through a lot. And, you know, I don't know, you know, it's the players in that locker room. Sometimes it's like you will go through those seasons where it's just you're not that good. You know, it, it, it just nothing is working. And, I, and, I, and that's what's happening right now. But when you look at this team defensively, they can win with the defense that they have on the field. It's the offense that is struggling. And that's something that Rand Carthen, he's responsible for this mess, too. But also Mike Vrabel, they're going to have to point this out in the offseason. So if there's a change that needs to be made, I don't know who else you're going to bring in, uh, bring in Nashville that's going to do a better job than Coach Vrabel has over the last six, nearly six years. Yeah, the, the only the only way I could see him wanting out is if, for some reason, he and Rand Carthen aren't seeing eye to eye on on how the roster should be built. I I think anybody can see what needs to be fixed, but if they uh, if they don't see eye to eye on on some things, and and there's certainly no indication of that at this point, because I, I think you know it, it it is said that you know there are athletes and coaches 
who are perfectly happy to rent uh rent a reputation or or whatever you want to call it. you know like LeBron James going to the Lakers for example you, you know like LeBron James wanted to be a part of the Laker mystique you know to add to his career that's something he wanted uh, you know there are others who want to build their own reputation and and it, you know when you talk to Mike Vrabel about his his time in New England more often than not he's going to make find ways to mention his time in Pittsburgh and his time in Kansas City. He doesn't want to just be known as a Patriots guy, I don't think. And uh and and yeah, you can you can go to to New England and and maybe he thinks New England is a better organization and he'd have a better chance of winning there, but until you win 5 or 6 Super Bowls as the Patriots coach, you're you know, you're not Bill Belichick, right? If he wins one Super Bowl in Tennessee, He's he's king of the world here, and uh, and, and I think I I, I kind of feel like that's that's more Vrabel's attitude that he wants he wants to create something that is Mike Vrabel's, not ride on the back of of Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and everything that that organization has built there. So I'd be I'd be stunned if if that happened. Uh, you know, with it, I, or I'd say he, I'd be stunned if he ended up there without being fired here. Uh, again, you know, nothing will surprise me with Amy Adams Strunk at this point, but, uh, but again, it's, it's, it's out there. It's simmering. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But, uh, as, as we come to the end of this thing, it's, it's that time again. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars are up next. Jacksonville is the, uh, is the team to beat in this division right now. Um, so does anybody feel like Tennessee's going to go on the road and get them a win this weekend? Denard's nodding his head no for those who who can't see. Denard, what 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 do you want to see from the Titans then at least this week? What do you I want to them, see this week? I want to see them survive because uh, they're going into a hostile pro. Listen, Jacksonville got embarrassed Sunday. They got absolutely whipped. You think Doug Peterson is going to allow his team to put up another performance the way they, uh, against San Francisco? What was the score? 34 to three? 34 to three, exactly. 34 to three. And you think that this is a team right now that's struggling, and I'm talking about Tennessee offensively. You don't think that they're going to throw everything at Tennessee. They're going to try to annihilate this team. That's what you do when a team is struggling. You want to put them down early. Yeah, I I thought the same thing when I saw that score Sunday. I thought that's the worst possible thing for the Titans is for the Jaguars to get whipped that way because, you know, Jacksonville had won five in a row before that. I'm sure everybody was feeling good and happy. Well, now the coaches have the players' attention again every day this week. And uh, and it's kind of like Tampa Bay, you know, going down there after the the Buccaneers blew a game in the last minute against the Houston Texans. And, uh, uh, you know, I I think the, the Buccaneers were mad in their own way and and took it out so uh you know i'm i'm sticking to my guns that until i see this team win on the road i i'm not going to believe they're going to win on the road so john it's up to you you feeling it i i tried to feel it last week i tried to try to uh to give the thumbs up for the uh for the lads but uh obviously i was uh wrong and very wrong in picking the titans to win in tampa uh, this week, you know, I, the Jacksonville—they they don't overly impress me. I don't—I don't think they're a very good team. I, I don't think there's really any part of their team that I think is 
just simply outstanding. But the one thing I, I keep coming back to uh, is is visions of of Josh Allen, uh, not the quarterback Josh Allen, but yes. the uh, the edge rusher Josh Allen uh, for the Jaguars. Nine sacks in nine games. Clearly one of the best in the business out there. And and I just keep seeing visions of, of Josh Allen going up against, you know, you know, whether they try to move him around. But but probably if Dylan Radens is going to be playing left tackle, Josh Allen is going to be seeing Dylan Radens a, a, a whole lot uh, there. And, and I think that's going to be a tough matchup. And I think we're going to see Will Levis under a lot of pressure again. And, and uh, you know, uh, again, I think we're going to see the uh, the Titans have some difficulty on offense. So as a result, I uh, I see the, uh, the the Titans going down. Um, you know, I I think they'll keep it close again, but uh, don't see the other uh, win happening pretty soon. This is going to be the Don't Believe in Titans podcast, David. <laughs> Carolina's well, we will, coming uh, soon. Carolina be in Nashville soon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We will we will all be watching as we know you all will and uh, and we will be back to talk next week about it all here on Believe in Touch. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.